Well, hello there, and welcome to Food Lab Talk. I am your host, Michael Bucker. By 2050, the world will need to feed 10 billion people. For that to be possible, things may look a little bit different than they do today, but perhaps they will look as they did at the very dawn of time. Chef Joseph Yoon is a world-renowned chef and thought leader in the practice of eating insects. He founded Brooklyn Bucks in 2017 to showcase edible insect with delicious, creative and educational programming. From kitchens and classrooms to stages around the world, Chef Yoon promotes the incredible potential of edible insects to help global food systems become more resilient. As an edible insect ambassador, he's on a mission to transform perceptions and change the mindset of billions of people from viewing insects as pests to a delicious and nutritious addition to a healthy, sustainable diet. Welcome to the show, Chef Yoon. Happy to have you here. Thank you so much. It is a great joy for me to be on here. So how did you get into bugs? Well, I've always loved and appreciated insects, but just as like a fan or enthusiast. And I was approached for an art project to conquer the fear of insects by eating them. And I said yes immediately, not knowing that the UN's FAO, Food and Agricultural Organization, issued a report in 2013, Edible Insects, Future Prospects for Food and Feed Security. And to know that this idea of eating insects can connect to food security and sustainability, health and nutrition, livelihoods and workforce activation, and really connect with such incredible pillars, that literally set me down a wormhole and has been a tremendous source of inspiration and motivation for me since, since I started six years ago. Tell me a little bit more about Brooklyn Bucks. So what is the company all about and why did you create it? I started Brooklyn Bucks as a way to normalize edible insects. And that in and of itself is like, oh, that sounds kind of preposterous. We'll see how long that lasts. Half a year, a year. A lot of people were very skeptical. But I was rooted with great purpose to know that there are over 2 billion people around the world that are eating insects, that over 80% of the world's nations already consume insects. There has to be some kind of cultural sensitivity and opportunity for inclusivity and then a potential to amplify indigenous voices, practices, First Nations, and to think about if all these people historically, since the beginning of human evolution, have been eating insects, why am I too good for it? And then when I first started hosting and producing events, I immediately started getting calls from like my local newspaper, the New York Times, and the local sort of NPR, and all these outlets that I found really fascinating because they never called me before about how I was preparing my food, it allowed for me this tremendous transformation in my 40s to literally be part of going through a metamorphosis where I was a chef before and I was cooking for a lot of one percenters and corporations and, and doing things that, that was fun for me. I, I really enjoy cooking, sharing, and serving food. That really 
made me feel like I need to do whatever I can that maybe no one else in the world can do. And then to find the validation really from the four pillars that have consistently been supporting my work, academia, government, media, and the industry. And I feel like when we put those four pillars together, we can make true impact, create true change. And I feel like that's really been sort of the upper trajectory of what I've been so grateful to experience since the very beginning of Brooklyn Bugs. So I have to ask the question, what is your favorite bug snacks? Tarantulas, Japanese wasps, crickets? There are over 2,000 species of edible insects. And it's so wild because they all taste so wildly differently. They have different functionality. And so it's really hard for me to pick just one favorite insect. But I really love to highlight the crickets and mealworms because they're so widely available. I've made over 100 unique dishes utilizing just crickets. And so I really love to explore the gastronomical properties and just what we can do with them. There are so many possibilities. It's, you know, what's interesting. Do you enjoy sushi? I do. Have you ever ordered a spider roll? Not that I can remember. And now you're going to bring up all kinds of just images in my own mind. <laughs> well, but the spider roll, interestingly, has a soft shell crab that's tempura fried. And a soft shell crab and shrimp and lobster, they're all arthropods, just like their land cousins, the insects, also arthropods. So we're essentially already eating sea bugs. What's so weird about eating the land bugs? I totally get you, but you know probably better than anybody else because of your role, that we are creatures of habit. And if you don't grow up eating something, it's weird. Crickets are not necessarily, I think, is stable in the American diet yet, but they are in different diets around the world. I love that you said the word yet, and it gives me hope. And indeed, I think you really hit the nail on the head is that we can't reasonably expect people to go, oh, we read a UN report and we heard that this food source is sustainable and nutrient dense. Let's all eat bugs and save the world. <laughs> like the, those, those are the tropes and things that we battle, though, because people go to extremes when they think about eating something that they consider a pest. Like when you think about insects, they're generally considered a vector against good agricultural practices or something that you don't want in your food or something that bites you or eats your garden. And there's all these negative ideas that make it the furthest thing that you would want to actually put in your mouth and consume for enjoyment or nutrients. So it's been a really fun challenge, so cerebral and also so beautifully interdisciplinary where we can welcome every single academic and scientific discipline, every single fine art to get involved to help us transform a global generational mindset towards not just the acceptance of edible insects, 
but also in the tremendous innovation of insect agriculture and its impact on global food systems. The thing about what I just heard you articulate is that when I was preparing for you to come on the show, I came across an article where you noted changing our food system is not a linear process. It is more like an interdisciplinary calculus. I love this analogy to, to describe the complexity of driving impact within the food system. So is it you've embraced complexity or is it your way of working that ultimately has made you show with this belief, I'm going to do as much as possible and I'll just see what comes out of it? To be honest, I think it's partially artistically driven. I, I play saxophone and I've always been connected to creative thought process, but I also work as a small business owner. And it's really a, a beautiful juxtaposition of finding these connections of problem solving. And if we were to think this is the way to solve a problem, I just don't agree. And I have so many like examples of people in all areas of problem solving that really try to get us to think in terms of like, there are other paths to come up with a solution and one that may expand what we even know or see is real because of the way that we think, because we're approaching it from one angle and then other people come from another angle to arrive in the similar area that then broaden like where we came from and how we can approach a problem. And so, yes, I really believe that we need everybody to get involved and this interdisciplinary approach also really allows for people that might not be an entomologist or a chef or a food system thinker to go like i would love to get involved and joseph just literally said everyone can get involved and that's the sort of impact and inclusivity that i believe that will allow for more people to go like yeah there's a cricket chocolate chip cookie that i want to make and just because crickets are nutritious and it doesn't mean that you can't be a guilty pleasure. And so I think that for a lot of people, it's just like finding as many ways to connect, become a part of the solution and help us to think and really expand our thought process in, in really an inclusive and global way. I hear you, but I'm sure it's a little bit more complex than you, you just articulating the broader dream. So before we sh actually focus on shifting diets and getting people to, to eat bugs, love to talk to you about the bigger picture for a moment, food systems as a whole. So what elements do you believe are truly critical to a truly sustainable food system? And then the follow-up question, how do you see your and Brooklyn's bug role in terms of making that happen? I think in terms of sustainability and really impacting global food systems, the most fundamental basic principle I try to adhere to, minimum input, maximum output. And it's with great respect, not using cheap resources that create this, but with quality. And so everything is interconnected. What I love to share is a regenerative circular nature of insect agriculture. We can take food waste from groceries, restaurants, breweries, and bakeries and feed them to black soldier fly larvae, and they can consume twice their body weight every day 
without emitting methane gases, mitigating all this food waste going to our landfills. What we've also done in America, we have passed legislation to feed these larvae and utilize it for animal feed, pet food, and aquaculture. So again, we are decreasing the deforestation in the Amazon that's being used to grow feed for our animals. But then another part to start closing this loop even more, we're creating metric tons of insects. It has a byproduct called frass, otherwise known as poop. And so we can take this insect frass, and it also includes their exuviae, their exoskeletons, when they molt and go through their instars. It's an incredibly efficient organic biofertilizer, mitigating the chemicals in our waste streams from traditional fertilizers. And this is a really big gold star. It is also proving to be incredibly efficient at replenishing our soil health as well. I love the additional dimension of regenerative agriculture and to make a video about regenerative insect agriculture. A follow-up question. You probably know better than anybody else is that getting people to eat something that they're unfamiliar with is a challenge. Getting people to eat bugs is probably even a bigger challenge. So when you think about alternative use cases of ultimately using insects, as for example, feed for other animals. When you started your organization, did you think through, I want to have maybe more impacted skill by thinking about using insects as feed for others and where you have maybe less to do with the yucky factor versus trying to get humans to eat something that they might not necessarily be initially excited about? This answer may seem a little chaotic, but it's something that I really embrace is that we did not need an end point where it's like, okay, I'm going to start this and we need to be here in five years. And I know that drives a lot of people crazy not to have that in mind, but so much of the work that we're doing relies on the growth and for us to be able to respond react to the best science that's out there, the information that we're given. So if we were very rigid and went, okay, we need to phase one, start feeding animals and pets, then phase two, feed humans, phase three, it wouldn't allow for us to embrace opportunities and be a little more organic and see which one of these many things really create the spark. And so what we've been doing is very much devoted to doing as much as possible because, again, there's no one thing that'll create this sort of behavioral change or, or even philosophical change amongst hundreds of millions, more or less even billions of people. So we really work to offer all the knowledge possible the different points of engagement that allow for someone to go, I like that idea. I want to know more about insects as feed. Yeah. So I think through Brooklyn Bucks, you've been a tireless advocate for proving that edible insects are not only good for the planet, but they can be truly delicious nutrition options too. And if you think about it, billions of people have been and still are eating insects long before this practice was recognized as climate positive. 
But over here in the US, I think it's different. So I am curious to learn a little bit more about your thoughts on how are others changing the perception here in the US, for example, of eating insects is actually a great way to address the broader food system challenges. One of the ways is not to take it from a theoretical dogmatic approach of we have a sustainable, nutrient-dense food. It will solve the climate crisis. All we have to do is eat some bugs, friends. I mean, that, that, it, that would not work. And I think that that's what a lot of the scientists were actually doing. They were going, hey, this is sustainable and nutrient-dense. We should eat this and it'll help. You know, and my approach was entirely from the opposite side. We have this delicious incredible food source that happens to also be sustainable, incredibly nutrient-dense, and we can prepare any single dish you can possibly imagine with it. The only limitations with insect protein lie with our imagination. And so I have created breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and late-night snacks. American, Korean, Italian cuisine, literally any type of food that I have ever eaten, I try to bugify. And when I travel around the world, I try to connect with people and give them something familiar or recognizable. And so I think about what kind of food is their comfort food and how can I take that comfort food and then bugify it and replace whatever the main protein is with insect protein. And so we just try to really connect with people. Cause like, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier, like the ick or yucky. I never even use those terms because who talks about food that way? And so I just simply talk about it and have really given, I feel a lot of journalists that cover our work and, and scientists, like the tools and assets the language for how to talk about edible insects as food. And I think that was like a really big part is that sustainable, 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 climate, cli climate change. And, and it's like, ah, catastrophe. And I love that the approach that I have taken is very much aligned as a chef advocate for EFAD, the International Fund for Agricultural Development to share these solutions, not through catastrophe, but through the great prism of hope and optimism, and to be able to find ways for us to connect through this beautiful sharing of food. And so I think that that has been like a really big part of the messaging and just like the genuine sort of way that I try to share this work and the solutions that we're attempting to, to share with people is really through a delicious, fun, and inviting manner. Hurt. So if you think about the total addressable market with products made with insects, my first question to you is, do you believe there is a, a need for or a reason to really promote the buggy ingredient? Or is it, this is just one of the most amazing crackers or cookies you can have? And similar to like a normal chocolate cookie, you don't show up with all the ingredients. It's just an amazing, gooey, you know, dripping chocolate cookie. 
But I think when you talk about ultimately purpose, do you share the additional different ingredients or do you really lead with, it's just an amazing cookie, cracker, snack, whatever that might be? That is the $1 million question, or it's probably $2 million now with that. Um, I think that we have to do both. And there's actually a lot of case studies that marketing firms have done and companies that I've worked with. Do we go sustainable, hide the ingredient and just put it in small print on the back? And to me, I feel like we need to do, again, all the things. Different things may reach different people. In America, the FDA, this is their guideline on food, and we're, we're actually trying to get more regulations, more regulatory things and policy that will create the confidence for big producers to get more involved. But this is their overlying like thought process, is that if you rear something for human consumption and it's handled at an FDA-approved facility and the scientific name is labeled on the packaging, then it is deemed as food. All the language that the FDA have used so far is about insects as an undesirable. You can have 100 bits of insects in your ketchup or chocolate, or I don't know what the exact number is, but right? Like that's our sort of framework of what insects are from the FDA. So I'm, I'm really happy that I'm gonna be speaking there uh, later in December, and I'm gonna hopefully try to challenge them and spark them to inspire them to create more of a regulatory framework like hey these are the best practices for us to be able to actually eat it as food we consider this a food source not just something that is undesirable in our food and so i think ultimately we need education and i think that a lot of times we need to keep it simple a lot of times people have all this language and tiny print. They want to try to jam pack a thesis when all you really need is, you know, something more simple. And so I don't have the answer. I mean, if I did, I would have all my products filling up all the store shelves around the world, maybe. But I think that hopefully we're, we're finding new vendors and new insect producers and they're experimenting with all of them. I'd like to see both of them on the shelves, actually, because I don't want anyone to think we're misleading them by hiding it. I want it, the people that are seeking it to go like, oh, cool, cricket products, mealworm products, ants, ah, all the bugs, I want them. So I think that, again, it's not the, the idea of not being linear, but really embracing like all the different manners and then ultimately seeing what will be most successful at the end of the day. So if I build upon that, you're a clear advocate for various groups to eat more bugs, bugs that they don't consume as of today. If you had a magic wand, what barriers that you're actually bumping into today would you remove? So what is getting in the way of more people to come along on your journey to eat more yummy bugs? This is kind of a loaded question and I feel like I could get in trouble by like actually answering this and, and naming a bunch of people. But I, I would say to be really quite, quite honest with you, you know, we, we do need more regulatory framework and policy in place. The, I, I guess that would really actually be the, the, the number one thing because we're gaining support from the industry and investors, but 
I think that we lack the regulatory framework and Europe has more advanced framework for that. Um, when I was in Australia for the month of October, there's a great deal of interest in how to build this framework towards success for longevity. And so, so I guess that would be it. The biggest hurdle is for us to have the regulatory framework, better policy and incentives that allow for insect agriculture to grow. If you think about all the incentives that, that dairy farmers receive or you know, different agricultural places and, or even like fruit farmers. And, you know, imagine if we had cricket farmers in the Midwest, they were able to like have a relatively small micro farm and that they were getting incentives for that. And they're able to supplement their income and be able to provide different sort of food stuff for other local areas and to be able to build. And that's part of the livelihood that I'm really particularly keen on is that we are finding small micro farmers around the world and they're starting insect farming and all of a sudden they can start feeding their family they start increasing their income their visibility in their community is rising because all of a sudden they're they're starting to contribute to the the community so we're finding like real beautiful case studies and i think that's one of the challenges that i get asked sometimes from from un directors are like joseph this is all great, like what you're doing, but what's your one bucket solution for impact for a family anywhere in the world to have one bucket that can help supplement their diet? Like those are the solutions. And so I love that we keep being challenged in how this role, this industry can really impact around the world. And so that's kind of the, the interest that we have from the smallest, teeniest insect on our planet, what are the best practices, what are the best manners and, and thought and philosophy and science that we could use to in positively impact global food systems? Yeah. So I've been lucky, Joseph, to speak with several chefs this season. And one perhaps unsurprising theme is what CIA's the Culinary Institute of America's Greg Drescher described as the unapologetic elevation of deliciousness. So how do you elevate the deliciousness of insects? I love incorporating insects into every single dish and meal that I've ever created. And having a functional understanding and a gastronomical understanding gives me better resources to share with other chefs and cooks. And so what I, what I like to liken this to is like, just say that you've never eaten a lemon. And I'm like, Michael, this lemon is so delicious. And you're so eager, you bite into the lemon. And you're like, oh, so sour. How, how do you, I'm like, you didn't wait to learn. We'd simply squeeze it into our avocado. And then it provides the acidity for this dish that makes it perfect and beautiful. And you try the avocado without, and then with, you're like, oh, wow, this is so delicious. And the same for like, even garlic is more applicable where for someone that might not know garlic and then tries it for the first time and then realizes, oh, I can use garlic in virtually every single one of my savory dishes now. And I feel like we're at the process right now of eating raw garlic or raw lemon with our approach to cooking with insects. And so for me, I think 
highlighting the flavors, the textures, the functionality, being able to talk about it as food, creating the favorite dishes. And this is often what I do when I cook for friends. I'm like, what's your all time favorite dish? And let me bugify it. And so these are, you know, I just try to make it fun and engaging, create things that are recognizable. And often people take a bite. Their reaction is quite often a little disappointed because they're like, huh, this actually just tastes like food. I'm like, that's right. And their disappointment is that they're expecting to be bugged out and to be completely disgusted or something. And I just love that it reels them in. And they're like, okay, chef, I want to see something or I want something a little buggier. So it's like, all right, I'm reeling them in a little bit. And I, I feel so incredibly grateful that at so many of my events, People have come up to me and said, Chef, you have helped to conquer my lifelong fear of tarantulas by eating them. Chef Yoon, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been a pleasure to hear about the work you're doing with Brooklyn Bucks and to learn more about your journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really is a great honor to be here. And uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now that was a surprising conversation. I wonder if Chef Yun convinced you to consider trying edible insects. Here are my three takeaways from the conversation. Think like an interdisciplinarian. Who would have thought that growing acceptance for edible insects would involve scientists, media, and even artists? Like many of our guests, Joseph acknowledged that no one solution will be a silver bullet. And he beautifully articulated the need for a variety of unique partners across different points of the system. If you want your audience to do something they've never done, you will need to help them imagine something they've never known. Expand their thinking by framing your solution through a familiar lens. Joseph talked about how he doesn't lead with the benefits of edible insects for human health, nor the environment. Instead, he helps people imagine the delicious opportunities by incorporating this new protein into a favorite dish. This familiar lens helps make the unknown known. And don't forget about the data. Joseph may have described his methodology as chaotic, but I think his strategy of following the science is spot on. Novel technologies or ideas require proof of concept to scale. Embracing the data and staying nimble allows Joseph to identify and pursue the opportunities for Brooklyn Bucks to reach as many people as possible. For more information about Brooklyn Bucks, be sure to check out the show notes. And thank you for joining us for this episode. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to the podcast at foodlabtalk.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. As we close, I invite you to pursue your own bold vision and take whatever action you can take toward a better food system. See you next time.